0: Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have Ash in the car. We're stuck in traffic in Camberwell. And Ash is a stylist and he's he seems like he's on. got a whole background going on. So we're just going to find out and see what we can learn from him. So nice to have you here today, Ash.
1: Yeah, hey, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, that's good. So why? Sti- what is a stylist, first of all?
1: So a stylist is, well, when you say a hairstylist, a hairstylist is somebody that kind of basically goes between male and female hair and it's not necessarily one someone that basically specialises in only one thing, it's multiple stuff, so they could specialise in braids, barbering, basically everything that you would want all in one place. OK. More or less.
0: Oh, why did you choose
1: that over barbering? The reason why I chose hairdressing over barbering was because my aunt did hairdressing, and I, I just felt like, growing up, I was very into my appearance, so I spent a lot of time in the salon, and I... I felt like it was easier to make money at the time and then as I grew older I started to realise I had a lot more passion for it where I wanted to be an actor and that didn't really work out for me I kind of just stayed in within that field so being in the hairdressing field it basically opened up other doors because when you're able to sit down and speak to somebody you just never know what that person does you know what I mean so it could then elevate you and take you to another level in your career so I think for me that's more of the reason why I kind of stayed with it because again you never know who you meet and the opportunities that may come for it so through doing it I've had a few opportunities that have been quite big for me in my career
0: so yeah you speak of opportunities Mm -hmm. what opportunities have you had
1: I've had opportunities like recently three weeks ago I flew out to New York to work with Bianca Saunders whom is my cousin and um, basically, Bianca Saunders is a menswear designer, so I flew to New York to do one of the biggest events in fashion, which is the Met Gala 2023. I've done that alongside Bianca Saunders and Usher, and it was also filmed by Kalana. So things like that, working with artists like Michaela Cole that has TV shows on Netflix and doing princesses from, like, Nigeria and stuff like that, so... Yeah. Okay, so
0: was the Met Gala like an African theme thing or
1: something? No, so the Met Gala every year they have different themes. So this year was Carl Lagerfield. Carl Lagerfield is basically a designer that designs for like the houses Fendi, he designs for Chanel. It's very, what's the word, high fashion designs that this particular, uh, how can I put it, this particular designer does. Um, so he passed away and basically what the Met Gala did, they put together a an event. Which basically celebrated his life. So a lot of people that came, they was wearing archive garments that could have been uh, made in the '90s, yeah, in, honor. Stuff, in, in honor in honor of him. Me. And then obviously everything was very suited because he was very it was very suit well tailored kind of clothing. So yeah.
0: You spoke about you tried acting; it didn't work out. What went wrong for you?
1: I feel like at the time when I was doing my performing arts, I felt like there wasn't enough guidance. Mm-hmm and at the time there was something that you needed which was called an equity card, which allowed you to work within acting circle. So for me, I didn't, I struggled to basically get jobs and where I was living by myself from such a young age, I felt like I needed to have something that could basically give me fast money, but at the same time, I could still do, like, my little theatre workshops on the side and other stuff just to maintain myself, well, maintain myself and also still be able to do something within my field with, that I love.
0: You spoke about you've lived on, you've been on your own from a young age. Yeah. What kind of person were you like going in school?
1: In school, I was actually on the gifted and talented list. I was a very creative individual. From a young age I think I accessed a lot of stuff that a lot of people never got to access so from like the age of 13 I was doing talent shows, I would go and get funding from Camelot Foundation which is the Lotto Foundation things like that, I would do a lot of workshops. I'd always be involved in, like, summer arts college, and I would be always be attached to people that are kind of, like, industry people. So, at the time, I'd be around my godmother, who is um, Kim Walker. She used to be the daughter in Desmond's. Um, so, she would kind of push me to do a lot of different things wherever I felt comfortable.
0: Mm. So, you come from a family of creative people, then? Yeah. OK, OK. That's good. So, you move. moved... When you were leaving school did you study in the arts
1: so when i actually finished school the last two years of school i started attending college so before a lot of people in my school because of how can i put it because of the tier that i was in in terms of like exams and stuff like that i was able to start a performing arts course at college which i completed while i was in school so by the time I had finished, I was already on Performing Arts, already already had certificates for it. I then went on to work with Radar, which is the, the biggest theatre company in the world. Well, one of the biggest theatre companies in the world. And I did a lot of workshops with them. And then I went on to work with... Uh, a script writer called Rennie Harris that produced a play called Romeo and Jules which was in the Peacock's Theatre and that was basically made up of like a lot of dancing, break dancing, there was not actually a Juliet, it was a silhouette so yeah I just kind of just made sure that I was always out and about and active.
0: So I'm trying to understand to what point did it really go wrong for you that you rule all out acting?
1: I wouldn't say that it was a wrong point for me. I just felt like the opportunities, what we have now, where like you can go online and you can look and stuff like that, I didn't really have access. Back then you had access to a lot of stuff, but in order to be able to do things like, for instance, um, go on the internet, you might have to go to the internet cafe or something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, Not everybody would, like have, yeah, nobody <laughs> would have internet in their house. So you'd have to go to the internet cafe. Nobody was really talking about what was online. A lot of these acting stuff, they wasn't online back then because I'm the generation of basically the internet. You know what I mean? The internet coming out, whatever, whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I always stayed and made sure that I knew what was on trend kind of thing. So I just kind of went along with what was going along. And then as time built up, you started to see that the equity for theatre, the equity card that you needed to work, that basically disappeared. A lot more agencies came about, a lot more opportunities in terms of like auditions came about that was actually visible for people to see. Because there was a point where these things wasn't visible, so you wouldn't know that these things are happening for you. So I think for me, where it just kind of dragged, I feel like it's a part of my personality. So what I try to do, I try to import that into my hands as well when I'm doing people's hair. So it's always fun, there's always banter, there's always, like, laughter, you know what I mean?
0: No, I I hear you. I hear you. That's good. So it's been an enjoyable journey for you.
1: Most definitely. It's been an eye-opener, I would say... One of the best times in my career, which is its really weird to say, but it was actually Corona. I landed a TV advert with Mini Cooper and the, the TV advert basically went on for three years. I got street casted for it and I had opportunities to see diversity in companies like Burberry and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been a very big journey and it's literally been one thing after the other i feel like when you manifest stuff like you just have to be prepared for when those manifestations start to come to pass because when they come it's not like one thing at a time it's like three four five things one after the other one after the other so you just have to be ready to jump onto it
0: mm-hmm. I hear, I hear this. that's all good yeah what would be your advice to a young person coming into your industry today
1: I feel like my advice for a young person coming to the industry today, I will say stay focused. I know that sometimes people may say that you can't be jack of all trades and be jack of none. I will say that I'm 50-50 on that. You can be every girl. you can do anything that you want to do. I just believe that you just have to stay focused, make sure that you take time to home your craft, don't chase the money, because sometimes when you chase the money, you miss out on the smaller details. I'll say just just home your craft home your craft work on it work on it make sure you get yourself out there so people know who you are and you start to see and I'll, I'll always say like to people like don't be scared to talk because the problem that we sometimes have is that we don't talk enough you know what I mean and it's until you start talking that's when things start really happening for you so it's just a matter of staying focused and being continuous in what you're doing
0: okay that's good. You heard that saying, actually, a jack of all is still better than a master of one.
1: Most definitely, I yeah. agree. That's why I always say, "Evergar." When they say, "Oh, Evergar," what does that mean? Well, when you break it down, it's every goddamn thing. You know what I mean? I do everything. So you know, you got Godisha, you got Evergar, you got you got you know, like you got jack of all trays You know what I mean? I'm Evergar. I can do everything, you know what I mean? So I'm just grateful that I have the opportunity to be able to impart a lot of this stuff on people because I feel like it's not only just my hands, it's also what you're saying to people that will make them want to come back to you, so Mm -hmm.
0: it's definitely... that's, That's good. What does the future hold for you?
1: Right now, I just believe that the future is bright. I am making sure that I put myself out there more. I would love to basically be a head stylist in a major fashion show get some sponsors behind me just basically build my profile as much as i can to the point where you know i've got there and i i can't see you really over and at some point hopefully open up my own business
0: talking about profile do you have a social media channel
1: i do have a social media channel What's you guys can check me on instagram it's ash2, ash to you number two and the letter u and the company that I work for is Elevate 399. And we're based in Cole Hopper Lane in Brixton. Okay,
0: that's good. So it's a local a local thing you work for then? Yeah, I look... You're from
1: South London originally? I'm from South London. Born in Sydenham, grew up around Brixton side. And as I started to attend secondary school, I went more to like Newcross Deptford side okay. for my schooling.
0: That must have been quite interesting for you. Yeah, it's, it's
1: a different vibe because you go from big jamaica which is brixton to then come to new cross where it's a bit of caribbean people and chinese so it was a bit of a it's a bit of a mix oh, yeah,
0: vietnamese, yeah, yeah.
1: vietnamese i went to school with a lot of chinese people uh, mm.
0: okay tell us about the hair styling. what motivates you when it comes to this stylist
1: do you know what i feel like for me and I think most guys will agree when a man goes to the barbers, because obviously most men don't wear weaves and wigs and stuff like that. When men goes, to, when a man goes to a barber, it's like having makeup put on. You know, what I mean, the woman finds you more attractive, or whoever it is that you love, they find you more attractive. You look mm-hmm. a lot more cleaner. Same thing with a woman. And sometimes I feel like you can look at somebody and think, yeah, this will look look better on them. So I feel like a lot of what's the word? A lot of things that we do to the hair. It's also connected to our emotions as well, how we feel about ourselves as well. Sometimes you could miserably have a patch in your hair and then if you go to the hairdressers and you get that patch filled out, it just makes you feel so much more better about yourself. So I do actually believe we are emotionally connected to your hair. When you see somebody, you don't look at them from foot to head, you look at them from head to toe. So the first thing that you're going to look at is their face, you know what I mean? So... I would say that in terms of hairstyling and stuff like that, it's something, it's very, it's physical, it's personal. So much different emotions are basically attached to someone's hair. If you cut their hair wrong, they're, they're, you're going to get a different emotion. So I think a lot of it is just making sure that you really take time to understand what the person wants mm-hmm. so that you can get the best results.
0: There's a short story I'll tell you there. In South America, when the Spanish was coming to, the Conquistadors came to South America, The Indians were or Aztecs were gonna kick kick him out. Mm -hmm. And they decide that they're gonna kill everybody in the apart from the the barber. Yeah. Because what they said, the barber must have superpowers because these men go in looking all scruffy and everything and they come out looking like fresh new men. Yeah. So they the either they believed that yeah, he must have superpowers so we won't kill him, we can utilize him for our purposes. Mm Mm-hmm so there's much truth in what you're saying but well, it's uh,
1: definitely, it's an upliftment you know what I mean sometimes, some people don't realise that they need it that little one bed shave down or that one little extra track of hair or that little bit of colour it goes so much, it goes so far out
0: that being said, when you wake up in the morning, do you look forward to work or sometimes... You well, like I mean, business? sometimes I get
1: anxiety because I'm like, Whoa, who am I going to meet today? Or I love all my customers, but sometimes you may have a customer that is just like, God damn like they want you to be very as super formative with them as, as possible but I feel like anybody would feel like that you know what I mean after spending so much time basically doing one craft but I, I love what I do for me it's basically like working in a hospital within a hospital I'm the head surgeon I'm supposed to be able to do everything you know what I mean I'm supposed to be able to do everything within my field um, and I think sometimes we do forget that we can actually do things within our field. You can be a hairdresser. You can be someone that teaches hair. You know what I mean? You could be someone that just basically focuses on TV hair. You know what I mean? There's just so, so many different types of avenues and so many different types of hairdressers out there right now. For instance, you have some guys that are doing toupees, some barbers that have started doing toupees. You're finding a lot more women are having short hair and a lot more male barbers are doing it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, nice. it, uh, yeah. yeah it, it's a trend that's the trend is changing. A lot more women are going to male hairdressers. I work in a predominantly male based hair salon where it's like there's what four male and we have maybe around five females. But you'll find that the main two males in the shop they have a lot more. Clientele, I, I don't know what it is. I feel like a lot of,
0: that's based on conversation.
1: I feel like a lot of it is based on it's based on conversation, yeah. but then it's also another thing how you would like your woman to look, kind of thing. Oh, so I think that's also concept. in your head, yeah. Because how would you like your woman to look? How would you like your grandma to look? You know, you know what? What I mean,
0: I would even get into that. I think she must know how she wants most definitely,
1: she's gonna know how she wants to look, but I feel like. Some women will say a female hairdresser might not give them that little extra zang, but when they go to the male hairdresser, they get, whoa, you know what I mean, kind of thing. So I just feel like it's a lot of it is what you get, and I feel like it also depends on you as a stylist, because everybody's creative, but everyone's creative levels are different. There's only so far some people will go. Not everybody will go the full way. Some people will okay. go half of the way.
0: Okay. I uh, hear I hear Yeah. If you could do it all again... Mm-hmm. What would you
1: do different? I think if get I fitness. could do all again, I think I would've I would maybe I would maybe stuck a little bit more with my theatre stuff, my acting stuff. I would have tried to push that a little bit more. But sometimes life's circumstances get in the way and you have to just rise above it and just figure out how you're gonna make your next dollar the next mm-hmm. day. You know what I mean? But for me, if I was to do a do over, I think I would have really like pushed maybe my acting a little bit more but there's still time I'm not old I can still do it
0: remind (laughs) people where they can find you
1: guys you can find me in Brixton at 399 Cole Harbour Lane at Elevate Salon my name is Ashani Marfin.
0: social media
1: and my social media is ashtu so that is ash number two and letter u
0: well thanks a lot for that we wish you well
1: thank you very much man you have a good evening
0: we hope that episode enhanced your life we post an interview every day, as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.